It's a very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Drive on this Monday. I trust you had a great weekend. Certainly Saturday afternoon, and we've spoken quite a bit about it uh, here at SEN uh, through the morning on the breakfast show this morning, and of course the run home and now drive the uh, end of the WAFL football season, the end of the football season full stop here in Western Australia. We had the AFL Grand Final the week before and the WAFL Grand Final Saturday afternoon. Well done to the West Perth Football Club. It was a, a terrific game, and I was speaking to a couple of people actually today about taking the Grand Final to community venues. As we know, it happened at Fremantle Oval a couple of years ago, and that was a success. But I think the Leadable Oval experience was even better I must admit, nearly 17,000 people, uh, great atmosphere. No doubt the conditions helped. It was a beautiful day, blue skies, sunshine, and the contest was great as well right throughout the day. When you look at the reserves, only one goal separated those two sides. There was two-point margin at the final siren in the Colts and a 12-point margin in the league. And West Perth, who were losers in the reserves and Colts, were thinking... Is it going to be one of those days where we go zero and three? But uh, lucky for Darren Harris and lucky for everybody at West Perth. And in the end, it was a great performance. They were the better side. They won by 12 points. And everybody talks to the winning coach and the players and the Simpson medalist. Well, I'm going to change tact this afternoon. I'm going to speak to the losing coach. Ashley Prescott, the coach of the Claremont Football Club, is going to join us a little bit later on. And Ashley Prescott's got a story. He's coached in four grand finals and he's zero and four. So I'm going to spend a bit of time with him. No doubt he'd like to reflect on the season. He'd like to reflect on the grand final and look at the positives and the negatives that came out of the Claremont Football Club this season. But just speaking to him off air a short time ago, I think he's pretty pleased with the way the season panned out. He would love to have been a premiership coach, but it wasn't to be. And Ashley Prescott's one of those positive guys. Went to bed on Saturday night, no doubt disappointed. Woke up on Sunday morning, the sun was shining and he moved on with his life. And hopefully uh, next year, it will be Claremont's year. But Ashley Prescott to join us in just a little while. As we know, the AFL trade period officially got underway today. And you heard that Bobby Hill is leaving the Giants. For Collingwood, it appears uh, that so-called exodus from uh, Greater Western Sydney continues. Bobby Hill choosing Collingwood, and he's pretty happy the boy from Northam. Obviously, it's a great footy club. You know, they're they're on the way up, and so you know the way they went this year is uh, really good, and that's something I want to be a part of. And uh, yeah, obviously, I've got a lot of uh, I had family here, like Uncle Leon Davis, and um, real close with Cracker and. Um, you know, Jets is here now and uh, a couple of the boys I know, so that's why I chose Collingwood to you know, be, my, be my footy club. So the brothers are together again. The other story is, of course, David Walls is the uh, Fremantle Dockers list boss and he says they're sort of continuing talks with Griffin Logue to see if they can change his mind and he could possibly stay at the Fremantle Dockers after being linked to North Melbourne, uh, of course, requesting possibly a trade to North Melbourne and... Today on AFL Trade Radio, David Walls also did confirm that they're still digging their heels in when it comes to Rory Lobb. I'm with David Walls right now. Walls, you massive 10 days ahead for the Fremantle Football Club. Let's start with Rory Lobb. What's the stance at the moment with the club? Do you expect him to remain at Fremantle, like you said in the, in the press release recently, Peter Bell said, or will he find a way to the dogs? Uh, no, we've got um, every intention to keep him, Rory. 
Um, the press release that you spoke about, like our position hasn't changed since then. Uh, he's contracted. Um, yeah, like I say, guys that are 207 centimetres that kick two goals a game, go into the ruck of that rare. We've got a young, tall forward line, so he's uh, crucial to us. So, um, yeah, I don't see a way in which we're trading Rory. Let's talk about Luke Jackson now because I think this might be a complex deal that goes down to the deadline. <laughs> How are negotiations progressing with the Melbourne Footy Club? Uh, it's still very early, still early days. Um, yeah, he's indicated he'd like to come to WA. We'd love to have him, so that's on the uh, agenda today to catch up with Melbourne and see if we can progress that any further. You expect the deal to be done, though, but by the time the deadline strikes next Wednesday night? Definitely hope so, yeah. Let's talk about two boys that have nominated North Melbourne as a footy club they want to go to, Darcy Tucker and Griffin Logue. Has anything changed with them, given what's happened in the last couple of weeks at that footy club? Do you still think that they'll head there at the end of this next fortnight? Uh, I still think, yeah, I still think that they'll, they'll end up there at North, um, although we haven't given up hope. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're talking with Griffin to see if, um, you know, if there is an opening that he would look to come back um, and, and a specific role that he could play with us coming back. Um, and Darcy Tucker, he, um, you know, we really respect him. He's played over 100 games for our club, but um, he hasn't been able to sort of bed down a role with us the last couple of years and where he plays, we've got a lot of depth. So... He's contracted, uh, and if we can um, help him find a home where he's more likely to play and bed down a role, we'd, we'd do that for Dust. What about Liam Henry? Obviously a player you used the top 10 pick on not too long ago. There's been reports that he's seeking a trade. Do you expect him to still be a docker? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, we're still yeah, high hopes for Liam. Um, you know, even with Blake Akers, um, you know, wing spot opening, we can really see Liam taking that over. Um, he's made huge gains again this year, so he's contracted for next year and there's been no conversation about trading Liam or, or a request for a trade either, so he'll, he'll be with us next year. We spoke to Nick Austin from Carlton about 20 minutes ago. He expects the trade to be done today. Is that the Fremantle's perspective? Yep, yep. As soon as Nick gives up a first round, we'll get it done. <laughs> well, how does it get done? It, it, it feels like a third round might be the one that seals the deal. I, I think, yeah, that'll be around the mark. Um, look, we... Um, weren't prepared to go to the length or term of the contract offer that Carlton offered to Blake, so he's looking for his own security. Uh, but we feel like we've got a lot of coverage, a lot of young players on our list that can play that wing role. Nathan O'Driscoll played it really well this year. Um, James H plays it, but then guys like Liam Henry, Michael Frederick, and even some of our halfbacks in terms of um, you know, Jordan Clark, Hayden Young, you know, potentially Heath Chapman can also play it there. So we feel like we've got a lot of good coverage in that area. You snagged one of the bargains of last year's trade period in, in Will Brody from the Gold Coast Suns. You're about to do the same thing in the form of Josh Corbett, who only managed the four games that had a really strong VFL season. He's a, is he a player that you think he'll get this period? Uh, definitely hopeful, yeah. And I think he can play a real role for us. Um, he's that real hard-working, hit-up, tall forward. Not overly tall, but can take a contested mark and give a really good contest. So um, really looking at him in terms of the role that, I guess, Griffin Logue played when he went forward that, um, that Josh should be able to fill. Great. All the best. Thanks for your time on Trade Radio. There you go. David Walls, uh, the head of uh, lists management at the Fremantle Footy Club. Sam Power is the head of the list management at the Western Bulldogs. And no doubt, it looks like, as you've heard from David, the situation with Rory Lobb hasn't changed. The Dockers want him and they're digging their heels and he says he won't be traded. Sam Power's response? Rory's you know, clearly contracted, so... Um, obviously, you know, um, understand Freo's position there. He's indicated, you know, he'd like to join us um, if a deal 
can be done. His partner moved to Victoria during the year, so he's keen to to get over to Victoria and, and be with her. And um, we'll keep having discussions with Frio, but um, you know, at the same time, he's a he's a contracted player, so it's it's really hard to go into too much detail than that. Mm, so there you go. There's where Sam Power, the head of the Bulldogs list management, is seeing it. He's a contracted player. He's not going anywhere at this stage as far as Fremantle concerned. Of course, it was the situation last year with GWS and, of course, this year with the Western Bulldogs. So be interesting to see how it all plays out regarding the likes of Rory Lobb. All right, uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back with more trade developments today a bit later in the program. Plus, we'll uh, also bring you up to date yesterday's NRL Grand Final. Uh, did you watch it? Interesting that a move to a daytime NRL Grand Final would see TV ratings plummet further, while the AFL, as we know, is being urged to consider the starting time for their grand final. It's also working in reverse here because on the back end of very low ratings for the AFL, the NRL decider billed as the Battle of the West between those arch rivals Parramatta and Penrith attracted a record low national audience of 2.367 million people. So it comes a week after, as we know, the Geelong Swans grand final pulled in that very, very modest viewership of 2.96 nationally. So one wonders why all of a sudden the two grand finals of the two major codes of the AFL and the NRL didn't have eyes on them. People, uh, the attendances, that is for people viewing it, were nowhere near what was expected. The AFL feels they can get more if they go to prime time. And now the NRL is considering, do we maybe shift it to daytime? Uh, It is a very, very complex situation. I don't think either will be moving in the foreseeable future. But uh, the fact that both grand finals were, uh, their viewer figures were so poor this year. We're going to take a break and also we'll focus on the NRL grand final a bit later on. Uh, A great performance by the Penrith Panthers. Back-to-back flags, and they are certainly uh, a club going places when you look at also the other clubs, that is the other teams under the Penrith Panthers, the New South Wales Cup side, uh, the youth teams all won premierships. So they've got a brilliant list going forward. We'll speak to Ashley Prescott about uh, the disappointment of being on the losing side of another grand final for Ashley Prescott. Four grand finals, no premiership next uh, yet. We'll speak to the coach of the Claremont Football Club next here on Drive. Silma, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Well, it was a tremendous uh, finale to the WAFL season uh, in relation to the whole package. Uh, terrific day, three very close games, reserves, Colts and, and league. And in the end, the crowd turned out. The conditions were great. The atmosphere was superb. There needed to be a winner and there needed to be, unfortunately, a loser. And everybody tends to sort of uh, focus on the victors come the end of a grand final. I know that Darren Harris has spoken and a few of the West Perth players have spoken. And I thought I'd take a different tact, actually. I'd like to speak to Ashley Prescott. Now, he knows how to take teams to grand finals. He's taken Claremont to the 2004 and 2005 and also 2007 GFs and also, of course, on Saturday. But as we know, luck plays a big big part in these sort of one-off games. 
And unfortunately, he's been on the uh, losing end on all four. But he's a great man, and he joins us for a chat here on uh, Drive with Peter Vlahos right through SEN statewide. Thanks for your time, Ash. Commiserations. Yeah, thanks, Peter. I I appreciate it. I appreciate those kind words, too. It's um, nice to hear because it's obviously a pretty tough period, and, and, you know, we're all a little bit gutted, but also pretty proud of our efforts overall, too. It was a huge effort. You had a brilliant finals campaign. The two games prior to getting to the grand final, uh, you played some outstanding football, and there were certainly indications that you may run over the top of West Perth in that final term when you got within four points. What were you thinking at that point in time? Well, we were hoping we could we could kick a couple more, Peter, and, and hold them. But look, they're, they're a fantastic footy team, West Perth, and and full credit to them. I think overall, you know, for the four quarters, they they were more efficient with the ball and and probably just a little bit bit harder in the big moments. I think they they stood up a little bit more. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we had 11 players under the age of 22, um, and they were very experienced and senior group. You know, so we were pretty pleased, but but we gave it a hell of a shake and. You know, whether the six-day break and, and coming off that, that pretty challenging game against East Fremantle just took its toll, you know, maybe. But, you know, there's some unfinished business there and, and there's a lot of resolve amongst the whole footy club to, to hopefully take some really strong learnings and, and get better. Interesting what you're saying about the amount of young players that you have there and some of them are very good players. You must be very encouraged with what next season and the next couple of seasons could hold for Claremont. Yeah, without doubt, and 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 we're we're a club that that really tries to nurture in the, in the young players and give them every opportunity. And there's a strong growth mindset um, and a really strength-based approach we take. Um, you know, and seeing the best in, in these young lads and giving them every opportunity. And probably what hurts you most is is seeing the faces of, of some of the more ex- experienced players because I think the older guys that have have tasted those defeats, um, you know, probably just naturally take it a little bit harder. Um, and, and that was really hard to see. Um, and they're really quality people like Dick Mouser, Jai Bolton, Lockie Martinez. It goes on. So, you know, they're the ones you really feel for. But, but I managed to get around a couple of those younger players, you know, that have played sort of 20 games of, of waffle footy and, and sort of reminded them that, you know, when we're investing all the time and effort into pre-season training and all the hard work that, you got to look to those guys because those older people are probably potentially running out. Um, you know, we've just got to bridge that gap and get that hunger uh, across the collective and hopefully that can, can really drive us. You mentioned those senior players and for me, they were outstanding. They uh, went hard from the start of the game to the end of the game and tried to carry some of those young players alongside them. You know, the likes of Rogers and, and Bolton, just to name a couple. You mentioned Martinez, who was yeah. busy as well. Uh, you must be very proud of your leaders at the club. Yeah, really, really did, you know. And, and those guys, they, they bleed clam on and... You know, I've been in the AFL system for a lot of years too, Peter, but, but I can honestly say some of those guys prepare at, at AFL level. They're, they're waffle elite, you know, in their care for for the footy club, um, in their drive for success and excellence. And, and, and that's the journey that, that we all need to get on. We just need to, we need to up the ante. We need to all get better, including myself, um, and collectively, to try and give ourselves, you know, absolutely every opportunity to A, get there again um, and B, you know, get our hands on a cup. Of course, if you had the right formula or you knew the formula, you'd be a a premiership coach. Saying that, 
You allowed West Perth to get out to, I think, 27-point lead uh, in the third term, and you clawed them back. Was it too much of an ask? Because the week before, you mentioned it was a six-day break. You didn't score in that final term against East Romandle, who kicked a few goals yeah. at the end. You had that game done and dusted, that preliminary final. Do you look back and think, was fatigue a factor in some ways? Because, as I said, you came back from 27 points to within four points, but just couldn't go a bit further. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good point. I think our start did cost us a little bit, Pete. We you know, we we're kicking with a bit of a breeze in the first quarter and we ended up finishing the quarter with, with no goals and five points. So, you know, I think after that we were playing catch up footy. So, you know, I sort of said to the boys after the game, look, the effort the effort and the intensity was absolutely there, but it, it just doesn't get it done. You you need to execute. Um and we really basically just did not execute properly in those key moments. So I think we were playing catch-up a little bit after after the first quarter. And I think having to give so much potentially could have. But even in that even in that last quarter, we had a couple of inside 50s late where we could, could have kicked another goal. And, and look, to West Perth's credit, they were able to get a hand in, get a spoil, um, you know, win or have a, a, an important one-on-one contest. And I think ultimately that was the difference. So saying that, uh, you stayed out on the ground, you saw the presentation, uh, the uh, club then players just wandered off into the rooms. How long did you stay in the rooms or did you, did you get out fairly quickly and head back to Claremont? Oh, we stayed for a little while. I think it was important to show respect to the West Perth Footy Club um, and stay out on the ground and, and it was nice. I, I made a special effort to go over and congratulate Darren. You know, we've got a philosophy at Claremont that you know, we lose with dignity and we win with humility. So we always pay a lot of respect to the opposition. Um, so it was important that we did that. Then it's about getting together. And, yeah, we, we just got around. Lots of families in the room, Pete. Um, you know, lots of beers. <laughs> but also a couple of beers. And, and I think, you know, eventually the fog lifts a little bit. And you start to just reflect a little bit on some of the amazing things I reckon we did at the footy club this year, um, you know, on the journey. So... Yeah, I think that's an important process. Just to, just to grieve, um, but wrap your arms around each other. You know, no excuses, not, no, no pointing fingers. Cop it on the chin um, and life goes on. You mentioned earlier in the conversation here that even Ashley Prescott, who's a seasoned professional when it comes to Australian rules football at all levels, may have learnt something from that experience on Saturday. If there was something that you thought you may have learnt or... I uh, was exposed to for the first time. What was that? Gee, it's a, it's an interesting question. It's um, I suppose it's a it's a constant a constant learning, and I I do have a fail forward mentality, and, and I suppose what I mean by that, without getting all deep and serious, is, is just learning from all the disappointments that come your way, and also from from the successes too. So. Um, what I learnt was that I'm involved in a really good footy club um, with a lot of really, really good people. And, and, yeah, we didn't get it done, but I think we could lay our head on the pillow Saturday night collectively and say we, we had a red-hot crack. So I'll go away as a coach and I'll, I'll look at everything and really analyse myself and, and the program really seriously. Um, and then we just try and rebuild again. And I'm kind of looking forward to starting pre-season already the players wouldn't like to hear that but I must admit I bounced out of bed I bounced out of bed this morning and you know as I'm here talking to you we'd usually be at the footy club and I miss it already so um yeah we'll just we'll just let that resolve build over time 
and we're really looking forward to, to getting back, creating a really good environment and, and launching to 2023. Saying that, uh, a bit of a gap, when you lost those grand finals as a coach uh, in the early 2000s that I mentioned, 2005 and whatever, you were in your 30s, in your late 30s. Now you're a 50-year-old mature man with probably a family and all that. Does this hurt more now that you fully understand the meaning of it and you've got young players in your team? Is this the one that probably you reflect on and thought this would have been a really nice one to win? Yeah, I think it would have. I think realistically we we bumped into some unbelievably strong teams uh, back in those earlier years you were talking about. I think the Subiaco teams that were running around, I reckon would have beaten some AFL teams. Um, And South Fremantle, I think in 2005, were, were unbelievably strong also. Um, they had some strong Fremantle players available at the time um, due to the alignment. So, yeah, I, I probably felt a little bit that this one, you know, we might have let slip um, a bit, just off the back of probably what I spoke about with, with missing some opportunities. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think a day goes by I don't think about those. Um, and that's seriously. I, I don't think I sort of look back at those grand final losses and it, it doesn't sting a little bit. But actually, Peter, to be honest, it's not about me. It's it's really about the players. I, I've been so fortunate to coach a lot of fantastic people that are really good friends um, of mine that haven't had the chance to win a premiership. So that's probably the bit that you feel a little bit a bit down about not not just giving giving your boys that give it give it their best um, you know the opportunity to win a premiership so that's what continues to drive me it's um it's seeing the success that that others can mm. can get um, out of getting a premiership well you've spoken very well you're a very mature gentleman and I think you you explain yourself very well you explain yourself well to me explaining yourself well to your players as I let you go we had another experience of playing a grand final this time at Leederville Oval uh, only because Optus Stadium wasn't available. What's your spin on it? Do you like it with what you experienced on Saturday or do you think the players deserve to play at the number one football stadium in future grand finals? Uh, it's, it's an interesting question. I thought it was an unbelievable day um, for Waffle Footy. To see the crowd and the atmosphere there um, was absolutely brilliant. I'm not too sure what the feedback's been through the Waffle and, and the, the supporters, but I thought it was outstanding, and I think um, you know, fantastic by by everyone to get the ground up to scratch, and you know, with the, the temporary grandstands and, and all the facilities, and, and with Leaderville, it was just really humming. So you know, I'd certainly be not opposed to to making Leaderville Oval that you know the the cherry for WA footy and, and using that as a stadium in the future. No, yeah, I agree. It was the, the feedback reportedly yeah. has been very positive indeed. Ash, thanks for your time. Commiserations again, but I think you can hold your head up high. Uh, you got to a grand final and uh, no doubt Clement will be about the place again next season. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the spring and the summer and we'll keep in touch. Good on you, Peter. Thanks. Okay, Ashley Prescott, uh, the Claremont Football Club coach, unfortunately, just unable to get over the line on Saturday. We'll be back with more on Drive, all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. 
We've had a couple of uh, texts on the uh, temperate bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736, saying, where's Haggers? Well, Haggers is having a little bit of a break after a very busy footy season, but he'll return uh, pretty soon. So keep listening to Drive with Peter Vlahos. Also, you can join us on the Scarborough Toyota open line, 13 12 55. But now for tyre power, where you buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at tyre power, let's reflect on some of the big sports news in the last 24 hours. The Panthers have been so brilliant for so long and now they're back-to-back premiers. 28 points to 12. They've been the benchmark and they celebrate here at Accor Stadium as that long drought continues for the Parramatta Eels. Yes, the SEN call of the NRL Grand Final, that long drought, 36 years, and it continues for the Eels. Ivan Cleary, the coach of the Panthers, no doubt over the moon. Yeah, we just take one day at a time, so we're not going to give a shit about next year. We're going to enjoy it tonight. Um, it's been an unbelievable season for our club. Like, I just, you know, it's never been done before, I don't think, four grades in it. It's hard to put that into words other than to say how, yeah, I'm sure proud we all are. Um, our, our club is very aligned. Um, everybody um, is their own person, but they all woven together by a common thread of doing our best for the club. As I said, there's a lot of people in our pathways and a lot of that just work so hard and, you know, don't get any credit, don't seek it either. And I think that's probably the secret. But it's very sad. It's very sad that, you know, in our team this year, not just players, but coaches, staff, yeah, we'll never be together again. Like, it's, it's sad. Um, but I don't think we're going to be sad tonight. We're going to be happy. So there you go. Uh, a great performance by Ivan Cleary, uh, the coach of the Penrith Panthers. Formula One user was back under the lights in Singapore and WA's Daniel Ricciardo was back in the points with his fifth place finish last night. A welcome return to form for the Australian. This is what he said post-race. I feel with the result, you know, I certainly feel feel good. Um, it's been a long time. I think my last top five was probably a year ago in Saudi, more or less a year ago. So, yeah, I hadn't had one this year, which is uh, kind of sad, but <laughs> we know the year it's been and uh, I feel like I'll certainly do some good fortune. I think, you know, it was 50-50 today. I think we certainly had some, no denying that. But I think we also put ourselves, you know, like we made our own luck in terms of staying out on the inter and being patient. We are in a, obviously we were on the tail end of the points, so we were in a position to be a bit desperate and probably try a bit of slick, but I honestly wasn't convinced that it was the right call at the time, as, as tempting as it sounded. It wasn't the right call, so um, we were able to gain on the others uh, during that phase, and then there was a safety car, so then we made a very big game with the Sonoda incident, so that was a, let's say, a good situation for us. Got back in the points, and obviously a very big day for the team, so we leave Sunday happy. It's been a long time. And it was the Erling Haaland show for Manchester City last night in a 6-3 win over Manchester United. Manchester United trying to get numbers back. Haaland! Two goals in four minutes for Erling Haaland. Sergio Gomez. Haaland! Patrick! in a row in the Premier League. Three hat-tricks in succession. Records are, you know, of course the striker thinks of goals, but when I go into a game, I don't think of, oh, now I want to score a goal. No, I cannot do this. I have to 
relax and do everything right. And if we do everything right, then the chances will come. And if the finish is, finishing is good, then the finishing will go in the goal. And that's exactly how I have to think. And uh, when I score one goal, celebrate, it's a good feeling. So I want to do it again. The Manchester Derby, Derby, whatever you like to call it, uh, 6-3 to Manchester City over Manchester United uh, last night. In fact, City led by four goals to nil at halftime. On the other side of the break, we will talk the world game. Alex Brosk is going to join us, and we're going to chat about everything to do with the A-League. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Welcome back to Drive with Peter Vlahos on this Monday. And, of course, we're getting really excited because here at SEN... Certainly, I'm looking forward to broadcasting all the Perth Glory matches this coming A-League season. They kick off this weekend. Uh, that is the A-League and the Glory away to the Western Sydney Wanderers. And the Perth Glory, by the way, have got their season launch at Crown on Thursday. So I'm looking forward to emceeing that. And we'll be speaking to Anthony Radich, the new CEO of the Perth Glory, on the program on Wednesday to give us his thoughts on how the club is placed. They've certainly been very active during the off-season. A huge turnover of players. Of course, Andy Keogh now, the head of recruitment, the former star of the Perth Glory, bringing in a lot of players. So we'll get a snapshot on how the Glory are travelling basically off the field when we speak to Anthony Radich on this program on Wednesday. But in the meantime, let's look at the wash-up this weekend. It was the Australia Cup final or the Cup final. And, of course, MacArthur FC uh, defeated Sydney United 58 by two goals to nil. It was the Manchester Derby or Derby this morning. Manchester City beating Manchester United 6-2 or 6-3, in fact. We'll discuss that. But Alex Brosk, of course was an outstanding footballer, an Australian professional footballer in the A-League, with particularly Sydney FC. He's now in the media. He's working with Network 10 and Paramount Plus, and you'll see him across the screens this A-League season. He joins me on the program. Thanks for your time, Alex. No problem, Peter. Good to be on, mate. Yeah, it's a big year for football, isn't it? We've got the A-League, we've got the World Cup. uh, It's all ahead of us, isn't it? It is. It's a big, um, you know, big couple months coming up. Obviously, the Socceroos doing their bit to qualify as well and, and give us a, a team to cheer on in the World Cup later this year. But yeah, you're right. Look, all the other codes are, are you know, finished now. The AFL, the uh, the Rugby League, and you know, it's sort of clear air for football to, to take over from now on into the summer. And you know, we've got some big games already lined up in the A League this uh, this coming week. And um, like you said, a World Cup to look forward to in, in only a couple of months' time. Uh, and then the Women's World Cup as well next year. So it's, um, yeah, big 12 months for football. Nah, looking forward to it. Of course, uh, I'm looking forward to being heavily involved with that as well. But, Alex, firstly, the weekend just gone. Uh, well done to MacArthur FC. They've picked up their first piece of silverware, the new franchise in the A-League, by winning the Cup mm-hmm. by two goals to nil over, of course, the NPL side, uh, Sydney United 58, formerly Sydney Croatia. But unfortunately, it's been dominated by unsavoury headlines. What's been the wash-up on the situation? today? Uh, look, it, it has been, you know, and it's, it is very unfortunate. You know, I think um, I, I saw that once I got home. For me, being at the ground, um, you know, you, you sort of don't see it. You, you, don't, you don't see some of the images that get um, put on TV. So you're just there soaking up the atmosphere. And it was a great atmosphere. You know, the, the amount of people that came out to support, um, you know, Sydney United in particular, but be there for the final. It made for an incredible final. Uh, one which MacArthur won, and and like you said, they take out their first uh, piece of of silverware. But unfortunately, it's um, you know a small group of fans that that are dominating 
um, the headlines at the moment. And it is disappointing. You know, it started with the welcome to country, which was disrupted by fans not, you know, showing respect and, and allowing that to take place and, and, and allowing the the lady to, um, you know, to basically do the welcome to country without any interruption. You know, that's a little bit disappointing. And then obviously there were some other scenes as well with with some fans. So, look, the fact we're talking about this, and, and I know it does tend to happen a lot, you know, that the media tend to pick on a, the negative side of football things. But, look, the reality is some of the scenes that we saw were, were disgusting, you know, to to put it bluntly in the way it is. But I, I think the generalise, there's been a lot of generalising about, you know, the club in, as a whole um, and Croatian people as a whole because of this, which is, which is wrong. And, and we... You know, need to respect that a little bit as well, that it is a small group of people that have, you know, their beliefs and, and, and use these, um, you know, football matches and other areas to share those with the world. And, and they're wrong. You know, like I said, it was disgusting, some of the things that we saw. But, um, look, I think the from what I hear, Football Australia is looking into it. They are working with City United, um, you know, to find out who these people are and to try and get to the bottom of, of stopping this because we don't want to see... You know, headlines dominated by, you know, stupidity and stupid people at the end of the day. It was a great game, a good atmosphere, but unfortunately, uh, here we are talking about some stupid people doing silly things. Yeah, and it happens in a number of codes. You know, certainly the AFL have got a few issues at Hawthorne, and we know that the NRL have had issues over time, and now the spotlight is uh, well and truly on uh, the world game, and let's hope it is sorted out. As you said, it's just a minority Saying that, the A-League kicks off this weekend. We know that Sydney FC, your former club, are at home to Melbourne victory. That's one of the standout matches. What sort of A-League season are we in for, which is going to be a little bit different because we will be pausing the A-League for about a month for the World Cup? Look, we will, which is is interesting in itself. But I think it's... Look, it's exciting for many reasons. I think the fact that there's only six weeks of A-League and then there's a break for the World Cup... Look, I, I, I would have liked potentially, and I know it's, it wasn't possible because of FIFA, every every league around the world has to stop. But look, I think the fact that we do that allows us to get a little bit of a taste of the A-League for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, once on the back of the World Cup, we can sort of, you know, drive home and get people out to the stadiums. But I, I'm looking forward to it. I think there's been so many quality signings all around the league. My former club, Sydney FC, has got a brand new stadium and, you know, round one against Melbourne Victory with Nani. Coming, uh, coming to town, I think that's going to be an incredible atmosphere. And look, just in general, I think the fact that, you know, we seem to have moved, moved forward from all the disruptions and COVID and weather that has hampered the last couple of seasons. And, you know, fans can look forward to just knowing week to week when their team's playing and making sure they can get out there. And what we want to see is, is stadiums full again. You know, I look back on years gone by before COVID and just the atmosphere and the scenes of games and highlights from back then. And, and I miss those days, you know, and there's, there's a genuine buzz and, and bit, good bit of feel heading into this, into this season. So, Look, I'm hoping that people show up and they go and support their teams and, and um, you know, we can enjoy the atmosphere and what will be an incredible couple of months. Yeah, and it kicks off, of course, uh, with Melbourne City uh, taking on Western United. As we know, Western United, John Aloisi, who took him, of course, to the title last season, has done an enormous job, hasn't he, Alex? Look, he has, you know, and he, he was up with uh, Brisbane Roar and had a frustrating time over there, um, you know, and... and not many people thought that he could come to a squad like Western United and um, and do what he did. You know, I, for one, didn't even have them 
um, in the top six in my in my early season prediction. So it shows what sort of coach he is. The players love him. They they speak so highly of what it's like to work under him and and how he goes about his business. And you could see it. I mean, I, I you know, speaking honestly, if you look at the squads on paper, his squad compared to the rest of the league. Again, I, I don't have him in the top four or five teams um, on paper, but what he was able to get out of that team consistently on a weekly basis, which, you know, in the A-League, it's it's small differences that matter. You know, when you consider there's a salary cap, which, um, you know, is in our league, it's difficult and it's small details that matter that separate a team from the rest, you know, and he was able to just have his team playing so so much good football from week to week. They were clinical. They were, you know, like a well-oiled machine. And he surprised everybody. So, look, can he do it again? Um, again, I'm, I'm not sure. There haven't been too many um, additions to his squad. But, again, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's got a good squad there that he knows he can rely on. And I'm sure they will be up there again. I tell you, they've got the derby, of course, happening there on the northern New South Wales coast. Central Coast Mariners taking on Newcastle. But what a story regarding Garan Kual, the 18-year-old who was basically playing youth football and now he's in the northeast of England joining Newcastle United. What a story that shows, uh, what can be achieved by people that have got potential, young boys that have got potential here in the A-League. Look, an incredible story. Only this morning I was talking about it with a few mates, just how surprised we are. I mean, the kid hasn't even played 90 minutes of football yet in the A-League and he's been signed by a Premier League club. It's it's a great story. It's, um, you know, something that kids all dream of, right? Um, you know, coming through and, and, and getting a crack in the A-League and all of a sudden ending up playing in the Premier League one day. So for him, it's it's incredible. You know, I'm pretty sure that he, he doesn't head over there till January. So I do think we get to see him. That's correct. Um, you know, running around until then uh, in a Mariners jersey and in the A-League, which is great for fans to, to turn out and see how he, uh, how he goes. But it is, look, an incredible move. And there's been a lot of young Australian kids going overseas now, which is great for our national team. I think in, you know, potentially the next World Cup and, and, and so forth, I think we're starting to see a lot more young players that will eventually start to, you know, put their make their mark in, in European leagues and, and our national team will benefit greatly from that. But, look, an incredible story. And, again, grateful that we get to see him uh, for the first couple of weeks anyway, still playing in the A-League. Of course, you're a long way from it to a certain degree, but you'll be across it. Back uh, here in Western Australia, the Perth Glory had a wretched season last year. You know, COVID and the fact that they had to play away for the most part over the last couple of years has taken its toll on the club. They took out the wooden spoon and now they've been dealt another blow where they can't play a lot of their games at their traditional rectangular home ground, HBF Park, which is getting ready for the FIFA Women's World Cup. So they're playing at a suburban ground that's being done up to cater for the fans. They've been active. Andy Keogh's been active in the market. How do you see the Perth glory? Can they bounce back to a certain degree? Um, look, to a certain degree, I, I do think so. I think Andy Keogh, very well respected in, in you know, football. And, you know, I, I think from a recruitment point of view, look, you just, you never know how, how foreign players in particular will come in and will settle. So I think it's, you know, again, looking at my former club, Sydney FC, they've got a few players that they brought in. Look, you just never know, right? I mean, as good as a recruitment can be, you hope that they settle in well, that they take to the Australian 
you know, conditions and the team and, and all of that. And, um, and and they start the season on fire. So, look, for Perth, fortunately, I mean, they, they can't do any worse than last year, really. And they, they still do have a, a good squad. They brought in, you know, Musti Amini as well, uh, young Kolokovsky, who, who wasn't getting much game time in, in uh, Melbourne City. Fornaroli's there. We know he can score goals. So, look, I, I'm expecting... Um, I am expecting better from Perth, definitely. Uh, it will be a difficult season, again, with the stadium, like you mentioned. But... Uh, look, it, it will be tough for them, I think, but they they do have a long way to go to get back, to get you know the club back on on track and where they where they were. It is a a proud club with with some very very good history, um, and last season would have been difficult for them. Yeah, and as we let you go, Alex Brosk, and we look forward to seeing you as part of the uh, Network Ten Paramount Plus coverage. The English Premier League has certainly cranked up. What about that game last night, the Manchester Derby derby between uh, City? And United 6-3 in the end. But one stage, Manchester City were leading by six goals to one. And this Norwegian, Haaland, that Man City have recruited, is just something out of the box, isn't he? Uh, look, he's, he's um, as, a, as a former striker, he's just making a mockery out of how difficult it can be to score a goal, isn't he? He scored more goals individually than he had than 14 other Premier League clubs this year. It's it's ridiculous. He's um look, he's going to go on in the squad that he has there is is perfect behind him guys like De Bruyne. I mean the assist that he gave for one of his goals. It's um look, it's incredible. I mean I, I look at a team like that and think imagine being a striker in that team, but on the flip side, the amount of work that he gets through and the and the the positions that he gets in, himself into, I mean as a as a you know, midfield player with a striker like him, it must be a dream for them as well. So it just seems like a perfect, a perfect match for Manchester City. This is has to be their their best ever chance to win the Champions League. I think Pep has just got this team incredibly well um, established now with Haaland scoring goals for fun. So look, it, it'll be a joy to see how they end up this season. The records that Haaland and, and that team will no doubt break. Uh, but for Manchester United. Jeez, I mean, the fans were leaving already before half-time and it looks like it'll be a, another difficult season for them, unfortunately. Yeah, it was 4-0 at half-time and, as I said, got out to 6-1 before they scored a couple of late consolation goals, including a penalty United to get it back to 6-3. Alex, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. We will keep in touch and I look forward to seeing you around the, the soccer rounds around the country during the course of this A-League season, of course, also heading into the World Cup and we'll talk closer to time about the Socceroos' chances. Thanks for your time today. No worries, Peter. Thank you. Alex Brosk joining us to, to give us a bit of a snapshot into the A-League, which gets underway, as I mentioned, Friday night. And the first match, uh, Melbourne City taking on uh, Western United, which is uh, basically a replay of the big one from last season. And there's a couple of standout games. By the way, Perth Glory play on Sunday and they take on the Western Sydney Wanderers. Thanks for joining us tonight. I hope you've enjoyed the program. I'll be back again tomorrow night from 5. All thanks to Toolmark, the Complete Tool Centre. This has been Drive with Peter Vlahos on SENWA.